was the night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled, all snug in their beds, while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mama in her kerchief, and I in my cap, had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I rose from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave a luster of midday to objects below. When what to my wondering eyes did appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. With a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment he must be Saint Nick. More rapid than eagles his coursers they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donner, and Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle mount to the sky, so up to the housetop the coursers they flew, with the sleigh full of toys, and St. Nicholas too. And then, in a twinkling, I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof as I drew in my head and I was turning around down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound he was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot a bundle of toys he had flung on his back and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack his eyes, how they twinkled. His dimples, how merry. His cheeks were like roses. His nose, like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow. And the beard on his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe held tight in his teeth and the smoke. It encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bull full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk and laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod up the chimney he rose he sprang to his sleigh to his team gave a whistle and away they all flew like the down of a thistle but I heard him exclaim ere he drove out of sight happy Christmas to all and to all a good night
We've only scratched the surface of it. I mean, there's so much out there to learn. People are learning new stuff all the time about it. So much Jeff and Ron. Uh, it combines both our names. Dad, can I call you Ron? Yeah. Mike Tech, Mike Tech. And welcome back for another exciting episode, festive episode of So Much Jeff and Ron. I am your host, Jeff Jones. Unfortunately, Ron could not be here with us this episode due to him having a bout of COVID pneumonia. We are still joined by Jenny McKinney. I'm here! And we are here with our nephew, Brandon Jones. <laughs> he is currently the singer of a heavy metal family band called Crop Circle. Brandon, yeah. give us a line or can you give us a line or two? Uh, oh man. There you go. All right. There you go, I like it. I like it. That's how uh, he is on the spot. Yep. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Very nice. reactive. There you go. Today we will be covering the history, mysteries, and movies. History of Christmas trees and possibly Christmas lights. Question, Question mark. mark. Oh. <laughs> What is the mystery, Brandon? The mystery is Yetis. The or Yeti. Abominable Snowman. Abominable. I do yeah. want to call him that. I like that name. Yeah. Although Yeti sounds more fierce. Abominable Snowman sounds It does. Like, it has like a friendlier sound to it, I feel. Yeah, it sounds like, hey, we're all snowmobiling, and we right. run into the scary thing, but it was nice. Right. Even yeah. though the word abominable is like the opposite of that, I still feel like, was he fuzzy? I you feel know? like he was <laughs> off the Red-Nosed Reindeer movie. Right. That. Yeah. Right. With the bumbler, <laughs> the bumble, or the bumble. Yukon yeah. <laughs> Cornelius. Oh, silver and gold. When he throws his pickaxe, he's like, he's always nibbling on it. And the snowman had no feet. He just kind of scooted his little snowball oh, yeah. Sam. on the bottom. Yeah. And the movie section, we will just be discussing our favorite Christmas holiday movies. Yes. All right. All Let's right. just jump right into it. Brandon, Christmas trees, real or fake? Uh, real. You like At real ones? I've... Yeah, oh. but I heard that real ones, I like seeing them. Like, I like the aesthetic of a real tree, but I heard that they're they're a pretty big hassle. I've never personally had one. We've always had fake trees. And yeah. just coming from experience, uh, fake trees are also a kind of a hassle. Because they you have to... <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but you, you gotta you make to it look right. You have to vacuum a lot, that's for sure. There, we grew up having a fake tree. I'm pretty sure the exact same tree until we moved out of the house. Probably, I believe yeah. mom and dad had that tree that whole time. Yeah, uh, they still have a fake one today. But after I moved out, I've always gotten a real tree up until quarantine. Oh, yep. Then we ordered a fake one, and we've used a fake one for two years, but. The real one is fun. We do go out as a family. We cut it down. You know what I mean? We don't ever just get one out of like a tree lot. There's nothing wrong with those so long as they'll last for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we go down and we go out, cut it down ourselves, bring it in. It is a it is a pain in the hassle. Yeah. Just, yeah. I, I just read that they're now doing like you can rent rent potted trees. So they, I saw that. They like dig the tree up instead of like they keep the roots of it. Yep. And then they pot it. And then you just take the tree you rent it in the pot and then you when you <laughs> give it back they replant it right and then yeah they just take it right what? back and it can still continue yeah, to grow that. 
I did see that. That is, I thought that was great. Yeah. Is that new? That is a new. I think thing that's that a new concept. Doing. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe hmm. just now being advertised. Yeah, I've never heard of that. That sounds really nice, though. Mm-hmm. Much more. Hmm environmental friendly why do we just cut down a tree for the sake of cutting a tree to use it for two weeks and then discard and then you discard it not to mention that like it took years and years for that tree to just get to that size to even be brought inside right yes okay history of trees yep speaking of history of trees trees. (laughs) speaking of christmas trees let's get to the history of this episode christmas trees now did you guys look up some stuff about christmas tree history yeah. No, I looked up lights. You looked up Christmas lights? The yeah. Christmas tree history, I did notice that when I looked it up, there was a number of different stories about where Christmas trees actually started from. Mm. We're talking all the way back to like the year 300, like all the way mm. through the 13th century, 15th century, you know, but I, the main thing about it is 90% of what I read was that it it stemmed from Germans. Yeah, yeah. But the history that I could find and that I'm going with is actually from Wikipedia, and it's pretty much in 1510 was the first written record of a decorated Christmas tree. And that come from Riga of Latvia. Now, men of local merchant skills, they decorated a tree with artificial roses, they danced around it in the marketplace, and then they set on it, they set it on fire. And the rose was used for many years and is considered to be a symbol for the Virgin Mary. Now, other stuff that I'd read too is that the Christmas tree actually started with pagans and it goes all the way back to the Maypole, dancing around the Maypole. Okay. And Outside that, the Mayflower? Nope, but similar <laughs> time. But they would dance around a Maypole okay. and it was like eventually they, they moved from a Maypole to a tree and the Christians wanted to I don't want to say use the word lure pagans into their religion and listening to their religious teachings. So the Christians has adopted the the tree as their symbol mm. because it's shaped. Mm. The pine tree is shaped like a triangle for Trinity. I did not know that. They, yeah. So they adopted the Christians adopted the the Chris the tree itself undecorated mm. as a symbol to lure the pagans into what they were doing. But also at the time, a lot of people had decorated, would decorate their houses with spruce and firs. Yeah. Like just limbs of it. Yeah. And eventually they had brought the limbs inside. And I know that there was a gentleman who looking up at the night sky, uh, he was, I believe he was actually an artist. He was looking up at the night sky doing a painting and he wanted to work on it in his house. So he had brought, and he had already had the tree in their house undecorated. Yeah. And he had brought it in his house, and I believe he started hanging candles on it. And then that kind of caught on to eventually, I think, lights. Well, let me hop back into my timeline here. So initially, 1510, it was the first written record of it. 1530, uh, in Alsace, France, the trees were sold in the marketplace and brought home, and they were set up and decorated. But laws limited the size to eight shoe lengths. Do you know how tall that is, Brandon? Eight shoe lengths. Man, Uh, I'm assuming average feet is about what foot with a foot so you think eight feet so but nope it's four feet they had a lot smaller feet back then. <laughs> their feet were only six inches long back then. Dang. yeah eight it's considered eight shoe lengths which is slightly over four feet that was the law you couldn't have a tree that was slightly over four feet oh that's yep. silly 
By the 1600s, uh, oh, it was common. Hey, oh, super side note. Yeah. The ceilings were a lot lower back then, too. You know what I mean? Like, people were shorter, so their feet were probably smaller, and I feel like their ceilings were a lot shorter, too. I bet you're right. Mm-hmm. I could see that being a thing. Because even you know now, I mean, I mean, yeah, because a four foot Christmas tree in a six foot house is equivalent to like a seven foot tree in a nine foot house. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. So by the 17th century, though, it was common in Germany to decorate the Christmas trees with apples. Practice was a holdover from the 14th and 15th centuries when evergreen boughs, uh, that the, what they'd hung on their house, they used to hang apples on those. And they were also props used in what was considered miracle plays. Every time I see miracle plays in writing also, it's always quoted. <laughs> quotes, miracle plays. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Miracle plays were performed at churches on December 24th. December 24th was Adam and Eve's day in the early Christian calendar. Oh, okay. On December 24th. And they were... Mm -hmm. The point of the miracle plays was to teach the Bible to a largely illiterate population. They would lure them in with plays, and then that's how they would teach them stories out of the Bible. But fast forward 1700s in parts of Austria and Germany, evergreen tips were brought into the home and hung top down from the ceiling. Now, that's when they started bringing them in in Austria and Germany, and they would hang the trees upside down in their houses. They'd hang them on the ceiling, hanging down. Oh, I thought that's a that very large weird. mistletoe. Yeah. They were often decorated with apples, and they were gilded nuts and red paper strips. And then also at this time, I thought this was cool. Edible ornaments became so popular on Christmas trees that they were often called sugar trees. And they would put edible ornaments on there for the kids. Oh, that was kind cool. of Yeah, that was kind of like little presents and treats for the kids when they'd go over to people's houses. Kind of like candy canes, I'd imagine now, right? Is that what started that, I'm assuming? I'm assuming it did because they used to, yeah, they used to call them sugar trees. The first accounts of using lighted candles as decorations on Christmas trees came from France in the 18th century. Mm. Uh, by the 1800s, the Christmas tree is introduced in the U.S. by German settlers. It rapidly grows from tabletop size to floor to ceiling size. Mm. That was right when the German settlers started showing up. 1851, Christmas trees begin to be sold commercially in the U.S., and they are taken at random from the forest. 1853, oh. Franklin Pierce brings the first Christmas tree to the White House. Oh. Late 1800s, the first glass ornaments were introduced into the U.S., again from Germany settlers. The first ones were mostly balls, but later chains of balls, toys, and figures became very common. Yep, this is kind of funny. 1883, Sears, Roebuck, and Company begin offering the first artificial trees. You could get a 33-limb tree for 50 cents or a 55-limb tree for a dollar. Whoa. That was in, that's in 1883. I was surprised Sears Roebuck was there around then, and they're selling Christmas trees. I'm pretty sure that's where mom and dad got theirs at. There's probably an original uh, first edition. Yep. Fast forward to the 1900s. Due to the over-harvesting, the natural supply of evergreens begins to be decimated. Conservationists become alarmed, and many magazines begin to encourage people to substitute an artificial snow-covered tree, consisting of a branch of deciduous tree wrapped in cotton. That's what they were using for fake snow on the trees. Oh. Uh, 1901, the first Christmas tree farm is started. Fast forward, 1930, President Franklin D. Roosevelt starts a Christmas tree farm on his estate in Hyde Park, New York. 
1931, the first tree at Rockefeller Center. I thought this was funny. 1931, the first tree at Rockefeller Center is a small unadorned tree which is placed by construction workers at the center of the construction site. That's oh. how Rockefeller start Center started. That's Two crazy. years later, another tree is placed there. This time it has lights on. Yeah. 1948, the tallest tree displayed in the country was Rockefeller Center. Oh, at Rockefeller Center is a Norway spruce that measured over 100 feet tall. Dang. In it's so crazy they still do that. I know. Every single year. Then, then for what? You know what I mean? Like, just to have it lit up there? Yeah, just to have it there. But, yeah, that's pretty, that's the gist of it all the way through today. But a lot of what I read, though, it started pretty much with people decorating outside and then wanting to bring those decorations indoors. Yeah. Any, do you have anything else to add about the Christmas lights or anything like that? Yeah, so it, it, what I found is just like you said, the they started with small candles in the house on the trees, and then it started to burn houses down. So they wanted to find <laughs> a different option. <laughs> and so, oh, man. Um, during 1880 Christmas season, Thomas Edison introduced the first outdoor electric Christmas light display to the world. He displayed the lights outside the laboratory compound um, which sat near a railway so many people could see it like as they drove, went by. What year was that? 1880. Nice. Yeah. And then Edward Johnson, who was an inventor under the supervision of Thomas Edison, created the first string of lights a couple of years later. So even though Thomas Edison put them out, he's the one that kind of invented it. The string of lights were made out of 80 small electric light bulbs. And then in 1890, the string of lights were mass produced in department stores. And so then they started selling them. Did they just start at Christmas time? Public displays of Christmas lights in retail stores and government buildings became more popular as the 20th century came in and gave way to outdoor displays on homes. As the trend took off, it became apparent that lighting up the Christmas tree in the house definitely took effort and money. For many people, the Christmas light display option was to light up the tree with candles because they could not afford to buy lights. The trees would be displayed only for a couple of days before Christmas, and the candles were only lit for a few minutes at night, which is a far cry from how everybody mm -hmm. wants to leave their lights on, right? right? So people were aware of the fire dangers and kept buckets of water and sand nearby just in case if the mm -hmm. tree caught on fire. The lit tree was often placed in front of a window for people outside the house to see. So in um, 1895, the first White House electrically lit Christmas tree was sponsored by President Grover Cleveland, which brought national attention to it. So um, it was upward of $300 per season to have it lit up. And only wealthy people could afford the cost back then. It's funny so, that even back then, Christmas trees were a fire hazard. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And that their answer to it being a fire hazard were lights that eventually just become a fire hazard. Yeah. 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 Silly. No, yeah. I just was wondering about the Christmas lights because it seems like if they were able to string lights together, it's weird that they would just do it for Christmas. It seems like at that time when electricity was sparse, and if you had it and you had enough electricity to string lights together for Christmas lights, you'd probably keep those lights up year round, I would think. It sounds like, like it was just too much, too expensive. Yeah, too expensive, too much. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. All right. You got anything else you want to add about Christmas trees, Christmas lights, Brandon? Anything? Any questions? Um, I mean, you guys covered pretty much everything I had wrote down. I just wrote down, uh, you know, I looked up what I thought a Christmas tree would come from. Um, 
they a lot of the things said that they just came from germany uh many many years ago and it started with the candles on the tree but one thing i did see was that they actually would put them by the windows back then to let christ into their home but not only that to display it in the window as jenny said but i thought it was interesting because even back then they would put the candle trees like the ones with the candles on them in front of the window but even like you guys said it would just cause a huge fire hazard yeah and right. it wouldn't do anything and i even seen i was trying to look more into it to see how common it was but i did see a few cases of some people using metal trees have you guys heard about that yep the aluminum trees mm -hmm. yeah, yeah yeah they used to be i think they had those when papa was growing up yeah i think they had an aluminum tree and it was a metal tree and they actually did the tree itself rotate? I think the yeah, tree rotated. Yeah, it had a colored disc. Yeah, it had a light underneath it with a colored mm. disc where it would, like, the disc would spin like a record and it would be, like, green, red, blue. Mm. And it would just keep going around and keep, the light would reflect onto the metal tree to make it look like the tree's lighting up. Yeah, yeah. Weird. Yeah. That is, that is very weird. I do think, and again, coming back to the real or fake trees, I will say the good thing about a real tree is that you can hang tinsel on it and stuff like that mm -hmm. because you're just going to get rid of it anyways. Where our fake tree, we don't want to put tinsel on because then we got to get all the tinsel off if we oh. don't want it next year. Oh, yeah. Or before yeah. I put it away, I'm not putting it away with all the tinsel on it. That is yeah. one thing I noticed is growing up or is getting a real tree is that we're, we're quick to just tinsel it up. You know, but because we're good, the tree gets taken out back anyways. Yeah. So. I did see uh, last year people were saran wrapping their fake trees with the bulbs and everything on it and then just store it in the closet and then they just pull it out and unsaran wrap it so that it's already put together. They just got to pretty good it. idea. I wonder yeah. if I could do that with ours. It seems like I could do that with the style that our artificial. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Nice. All right. You got any, you got anybody got anything else Christmas tree related? No. Uh, no. All right. Then we will move on to our next topic. The Abominable Snowman, the Yeti. Yeti! So, uh, do you have a specific thing that you found? I, I found that the pagans were the ones to basically start the stories of, of the Yeti? this man. Yes. Yeah. That's what I found. But I don't know how much truth that is because they said that the the abominable snowman was to keep the story was to keep people from wandering off of villages yeah. and like leaving their villages and stuff. But there started to be some sort of truth to it because I guess there was people going missing and they they would show like basically end up being dismembered and found some miles away from the camp or whatever and they would find footprints in the snow and they believed that it could have been like really big bears that lived on the uh, mountain or a really big ape-like human yeah. which I don't know how they got like one or the other but you would think a bear paw would look a little different than a big ape man. You would think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what I found on him. Yeah, everything I found about him says that he pretty much hails in the Himalayan mountains. 
mm-hmm. all over in the mountain ranges of Asia. Now mm-hmm. there is there is the thing with the Yeti is that there's writings beyond like way back before our calendar of the Chinese dynasties that talk about the Yeti mm-hmm. back yeah. then. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like pictures and ape-like creature that's a man covered yeah. in hair but is twice the size of mo- of an average man. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And it's just mm-hmm. the right. It's one of those things like most cryptids that when there's writings that mention it thousands of years ago, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not saying it gives it any validity, but like, it's just odd that it's one of those things kind of like aliens. Like there's writings thousands of years ago before we could even leave the ground and fly anywhere. There's mm-hmm. writings yeah. of beings that came from the sky. Yeah. The Yeti is kind of like that. There's monk writings from thousands of years ago that mention the protectors of the mount the, the protectors of the mountain the protectors of the forest and that was what they had described as the yeti which was like a seven you know a seven foot tall hairy gray and red creature blob you know they have writings and descriptions of them thousands of years ago mm-hmm. so but the yeti once known as the abominable snowman is a mysterious bipedal creature said to live in the mountains of asia in the Himalayan mountains. It sometimes leaves tracks in the snow, but it is said to dwell below the Himalayan snow line. Despite dozens of expeditions into the remote mountain regions of Russia, China, and Nepal, the existence of the Yeti has not exactly been proven. Now, the Yeti is said to be muscular, covered with dark grayish or reddish hair, and weighs about 200 to 400 pounds. It's relatively short compared to North America's Bigfoot, averaging 6 to 7 feet. Now, I think Bigfoot are more eight to nine. And I was also looking up things that, how similar is the Yeti compared to Bigfoot? Mm-hmm. And yeah. they kind of say it's kind of, it's like a polar bear to a grizzly bear. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Same it's two, family, different region. Right. You could say they're cousins, pretty yeah. much. Mm-hmm. They would be cousins in the primate chain. Yeah. Gotcha. They, I did see that there was a reporter that in like 1940, 19- 50s, like late 1950s, um, he went on a hunt for the Yeti, and then he ended his journey about 50 years in the making because he just gave up. He couldn't do it no more. Uh, I'll have to find the guy's name, but I believe his name was Edward, and he was just a photographer that happened to take one of the first photos uh, of a footprint it wasn't so much the the actual man itself but a footprint of it and it was a black and white photo with like barely any details and i was just reading into that a little bit and i thought it was kind of fascinating that the guy spent his whole life looking for it all because he seen one footprint in the snow and he yeah. He didn't even have a uh, like a family or nothing. Like he gave up on all of that just to look for it, oh, I and bet. he never found it, which is crazy to me. That is crazy. I believe he started too because there was an incident <clears throat> in 1959. It was happened in over in Russia at the Dotlov Pass, or they also call it Dante's Pass. You guys mm-hmm. familiar with that incident at all? Uh, yeah, I watched no. documentary. Oh, did you? I, did I read that. a lot about that. There was a group of nine hikers, and these were all experienced hikers that just wanted to go up what I believe was called Dead Man's Mountain or Dead Mountain. Sorry, it was called okay. Dead. It was called Dead Mountain. They got pretty close to the top, almost near the top of the mountain range. Decided to set up shop. Nine hike. They basically went missing. 
nobody had heard from them for weeks. And so another party went out after them because they were college students. Eight of them were actual college students that were in college and mm-hmm. they were all experienced hikers. One of them was an older gentleman. I think he was about 37. He was the only one of them that was not a college student. Either way, they didn't come back for a few days or weeks. Eventually a search party goes after them. Mm-hmm. And what they had found was that all nine of them were dead. They had fled their camp in the middle of the night and a couple of them cut their way out of their tents. They were in their tents and they used knives and cut themselves out of their tents and they all fled in different directions from the camp. Nobody knows what exactly happened to cause that to happen in the middle of the night, but obviously they were sleeping and they were all very ill-prepared. Out of the nine, um, they found two makeshift small camps about 75 to 200 yards away from their camp. And out of the nine, five of them, I believe, had uh, cuts, broken ribs, broken body parts. They, they, I don't, they were mangled. They were just mangled. Something got a hold of them. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. the, other, the other ones all died of hypothermia. They could yeah, tell. Yeah, because I think when they ran out, um, from what I remember, when they ran out, they were just like in their pajamas, in their sleeping bag, and then they just ran because of whatever happened. And then some of them they found that I think I thought the one girl she barely had any clothes on. None, not many of them did. Yeah. And there was a number. There was a bunch of different investigations into what happened to these hikers, and they chalk it up to an avalanche which is impossible because the people even days after when they came looking for them they found them under very thin snow mm-hmm. and they if you look around there was no you would tell if an avalanche came through there now yeah. then some people say that there is a wind that comes through that set of the mountains that gives a howl and a screech and that maybe that they heard noises but like all of them at once and i believe they're experienced hikers they would have been familiar with that type of you know what yeah. I mean? That terrain. That, yeah. yeah. Like, if you that, think they would know that noise. Yeah. yeah. Even if it's some kind of weird phenomenon, they would be aware of it, I would think, studying that mountain range. It was, you know. I think they saw a group of whatever mountain people that lived up there. There was, like, a village, and they were warning the hikers of the Yeti. Yes. Like, like you guys shouldn't even be out here because of the yeti like we all stick together and we know when it's coming around and then they warned them and they were like well that's why we're here we're trying to see it and then then you almost wonder too if it was a cover-up by the government you know what i mean so that the records didn't come out you know when it stinks because once that information comes out and then their family finds out i mean that'd be a terrible thing to find out about your family you know yeah do you guys think that, like, do you know the uh, how the government was talking about um, they confirmed that UFOs have been sighted and stuff? Do you think that if they were to ever get asked about a Yeti or something, do you think something like that would ever get brought out if it is real? I think out of anything, I don't know if the government would have records of any kind of Bigfoot or Yeti encounter that wasn't already made public at the time. So you think they would just confirm the ones that we've seen? I think so. More so? so? I think so. Like in this case here at the Dante's Pass, they won't say that a Yeti attacked those people. Mm -hmm. There was a group, there was a a Bushman, a wild man they called him. I think I heard, 
I heard about that they this. think may that they say, you know, looks like he could have attacked the camp, you know, slaying and destroying, you know, decimating a few of the people, and the other ones just ran in fear. But again, that was never proven, and they did find larger footprints at the camp. Some of the stuff, the weird stuff about that is that there's some of the bodies they found were they followed the footprints of people leaving the camp and the footprints of like two people together walking weren't running they were all just walking right yeah. from the tent straight out into the woods or the mountains you know what i mean yeah it's weird oh the thing when you look up like yeti encounters and stuff they've been written about and encountered since the dawn of time Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And again, I don't know if it's like a Bigfoot or if it's one of those things where everybody's describing the same thing, but it's different things. Well, I feel yeah. like, too, we all see things like colors. We all see colors and things differently. You know what I mean? Like, what if it was somebody that was colorblind that right. couldn't identify that it was actually orange or, you know, because I saw one oh, report yeah. that was uh, he he was saying it was like a large orangutan out yeah. in, the, in the woods yeah they say like, they're orangish red in color and yeah. gray mm-hmm. they're not usually white they became white i think when they started putting them in like movies and yeah making images of them which i think in the 50s was the first time a yeti was actually drawn and they drew them white right yeah but they're usually yeah. gray grayish grayish red do you guys know where the word bombable snowman came from? I was kind of, I was no. impressed with this. 1921, a journalist named Henry Newman interviewed a group of British explorers who had just returned from a Mount Everest expedition. He just, inter- he was just interviewing them because they came back from Mount Everest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of like a hike, writing a hiking article. Okay. Yeah. The explorers were hysterical and told the journalists they had discovered some very large footprints on the mountain to which their guides had attributed to the Mito Kongmi. Mito Kongmi. It means man bear snowman. That's what Mito Kong me. Newman got the snowman part right, but he mistranslated Mito as filthy. He referred to it as abominable snowman in his article. And that's where the name abominable snowman oh, that's came funny. from. Yeah, man bear snowman. He misinterpreted it into filthy snowman. Oh, that's so, funny. Yeah. So then he eventually called it the abominable snowman in his article because he thought that sounded more treacherous kind of like back to what brandon was saying a lot of the locals a lot of the locals in the himalayan region and stuff the yeti lore grew because they would use the yeti as a reason to keep people on the more well-traveled paths and not to wander the mountains and wander yeah. the forest yeah not mm-hmm. so much they would scare them by saying it's the yeti but in reality there's a lot of creatures out there that would be more than happy to eat you yeah you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, they, the wolves and stuff on there. Huh? Yep. Do you guys have anything else you want to add about the Yeti, Brandon? Do you think the Yeti um, exists? Do you think it's real? Oh, I don't know. Because the, the thing is, uh, I want to say uh, yeah, but only because I definitely believe in Bigfoot. But the thing is, it could have just been a Bigfoot, like like an encounter like you guys said where someone could have just been colorblind right. or something and they, yeah. they could have just misinterpreted that it was a Bigfoot in the mountains because I could imagine they could keep themselves warm with that fur and then go up there Oh yeah, and be fine. Yeah, and they, do, they did say they travel below the snow line. They do. Yeah, so they make caves and stuff. Right. If that's true, yeah. yeah. 
I will say this about the Yeti. I've always thought of it as like a, a brother or cousin to the Bigfoot who I would love to find some kind of proof that does exist. Kind of like the Bigfoot, even like Native Americans years and years ago, the Indians had writings thousands of years ago about trading with the creatures of the forest and they basically describe a Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. And kind of like the Yeti, the writings go back so far. I never really thought about a Yeti or even like believed in it. My reasoning was because a mountaintop or a mountain range is so small that like you think it would be easier to track down, but like look at Bigfoot in the woods. And again, yeah. if it's a if it's a if it's a parallel jumping thing, like a parallel dimension thing, which I think the thing is with the Yeti is it's had a lot. If you could look up a timeline of encounters with the Yeti, there are a lot of aggressive encounters mm-hmm. with the Yeti. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where a lot of the encounters people have with the Bigfoot, even the interactions, both parties are startled. The human and Bigfoot are both surprised and startled. Yeah. And Bigfoot is usually trying to get out of there. Yeah. And if he throws sticks and rocks, it's usually out of defense so that he can get out of there. You know what I mean? Where the Yeti seems more on the offensive. It's coming, it's, it's coming after you. But maybe the Yeti was here first. It almost oh, yeah. plays into the polar bear and uh, brown bear thing, because I don't know if you guys know this, but they say polar bears are highly aggressive because they, they're they not around people like us at all. They're, that makes they're, sense. And they, I was watching this thing on them, and they were just saying that, like, you always hear of polar bears eating humans or something like that because they get too close to their cave or their little ones or whatever but they said they'll they'll kill anything that comes by you know their family and uh some brown bears like you said you you know they're they're like scared kind of like bigfoots like normal bigfoots they're like you know you can scare them off with something you can probably distract them with something but it sounds like when it comes to these mountainous ones they're they're highly agitated mm-hmm. or and i do think that prior to looking stuff up for this episode like i said i was on the fence with the yeti whether it was real or not but when you start mm-hmm. reading the encounters and the writings about the yeti and just the descriptions and just i believe in it more now than i did going into it i will say that i've always kind of want to believe in the bigfoot the yeti i was on the fence but i i believe that just in the, these people's descriptions of their encounters not just mm-hmm. the not just the big footprints that everybody sees and the patches of hair that they find and things yeah. like that, but the fact that like, there's just like aliens, there's too many encounters to just write it off as a wild man that lives on the mountains. Right. I think too, yeah. even if you just look at the pictures, even the pictures or like the drawings or like the, it, let's say somebody did have an encounter, the sketch from their encounter, they look aggressive and scary yeah. compared to like, you know, book, Bigfoot, you, most of the time it's like a side profile or, you know, you're seeing it run off. Or and like, like I said, he's usually scared or startled. Yeah. yeah, but the Yeti ones are scary. When I started looking up those some of the pictures, you know, just the sketches, I was like, man, that is scary. Yeah. yeah. Jeff, you might know what I'm talking about, but you know the, um, the, the scene in Star Wars where Luke has to hide oh, from the uh, thing. The Wampa? I, yeah, every time I think of an abominable snowman, I just think of that. Cause yeah, I would that, think that's what it does. That thing, 
in Star Wars was probably 11 feet tall, and he just grabbed Luke by the leg and yeah. lifted him up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, yeah. But, and that's always the impression I've kind of gotten with the Abominable Snowman or the Yeti. Mm-hmm. But they're saying that they're only like six to seven feet tall. I was really surprised by that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That they're maybe only, that's that why they're, they're aggressive. Short people are be. aggressive. They are. <laughs> They are. It's one of the few primates that spent, like according to them, spends most of its time biped on its back feet, just walking. It, yeah. Some encounters describe it going on all fours and going very fast through the through the woods on all fours. I just would have a medical episode if I saw that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It's one of those things I think if you were out there, though, your brain wouldn't even register. No. And again, if you put yourself in those those hikers positions if they're in the middle of the night sleeping and something happens it's just it's just i if you ever get bored just look up the dotlov pass which is d-h-a-l-t-o-v mm-hmm. pass incident or dante's pass incident yeah it mm-hmm. takes place on dead mountain it's just it's that's the one that really stuck with me because i i listened to a number of documentaries about that one yeah i watched and read and listened and but is that older? Like, like pretty way older. It is happened that... in 1959. No, there's a Netflix. Okay. Um, there's a Netflix documentary on it. Oh, really? All right, yeah. I'm gonna have to try to look that up and watch that because that sounds, that sounds really good. Yeah. Like a story wise. If anything, it'll motivate you to write a crop circle song about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah there we yeah, go. Maybe write one about a yeti. Yeti versus Bigfoot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know what your course could be? Man, bear, snowman. Yeah, man, bear, snowman. snowman. Dead mountain. Dead mountain. (laughs) I'm joking. That's not the kind of music we make. I know. (laughs) You guys got anything else you want to add about the Yeti? No, I do not have anything. How about you, Jen? No. No? All right. Stick around. We're going to play a Christmas trivia game, Jenny vs. Brandon. Yes. All right. And before we get to our Christmas movie portion of the episode, we first, Jen, I'd like to pit you against Brandon with some family Christmas trivia. Jen, do you have the name of two listeners that you guys could be playing for? Yes. Brandon's going to be playing for Bob from Missouri. Yeah. I'm going to be playing for Joey. In Tennessee. All right, Brandon, you will be playing for Bob. Jen, you'll be playing for Joey. Whoever wins will get a Fog Dog t-shirt. Fog Dog. Yep. I got about 18 questions. Okay. We're going to go back and forth. Brandon, we'll start with you since you're the guest. Uh, You will get one point for each correct answer. If there is more than one correct answer, you will get one point for each correct answer. Okay. Cool. All right, Brandon, starting with you. What is Scrooge's first name? Ebenezer. Oh. It is. Nice. Good job. (laughs) Nice. All right, Jenny. Complete the lyrics. Oh. On the fifth day of Christmas, my true love sent to me. Five golden rings. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. I was trying to count five there. (laughs) All right. One to one, Brandon, back to you. In which city does Miracle on 34th Street take place? Uh, New York? 
It is New York. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Why All right. I, I don't know. Uh-huh. I wasn't sure of that, and I've seen the movie, and I yeah. still some reason I was like Chicago. That's funny. Could be. I could see that being in Chicago. Yeah. All right, Jen. Yeah. How many different types of gifts did the wise men bring, according to the Bible? According Ooh. to the Bible, how many gifts? How many gifts? Three. They did bring. They brought three. Which one are you going with, Jen? They brought three. You already got three. What's wrong with you? Three because they only had one each per wise man. All right, start this question here. Starting with Brandon. Okay. And then going to Jen. You guys are going to go back and forth on answers. You get one point for each correct answer. Oh, okay. Starting with Brandon. Can you name Santa's reindeer? Donner. Dasher. Vixen. Did you say Dixon? No, no, I said Vixen, but I meant to say Dixon. Yeah. No, it's Vixen. <laughs> it is Vixen. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't I, know my Christmas reindeer. Your fo- it sounds like your phone. Sound like the phone was getting broken up. We're gonna give you credit for Vixen, Jen. All right. Okay. Yeah, Blitzen. Blitzen is a reindeer. Brandon. Cupid. There is Cupid. Yep. Jen. Rudolph. Rudolph is one of them. Brandon. Prancer. There is Prancer. <laughs> Jen. There's two more, I believe. Okay. Hang on. Do I get a time? Oh, Dasher. He did he said Donner and Dasher at the same time. He did, you're right. I'll give yeah. you Dasher. He did okay. say that we stopped. Mm-hmm. Him, okay. Mm-hmm. All right, Brandon. Uh, Bonnet? I feel like it starts with a B Bonnet. Comet. I, I don't, Comet. Comet, Brandon. Dang. God, you were so close. Dang. So close. So close. Dang. Dang, I knew that was it good. Was, I was, oh, yeah, yeah. It's funny. You got to sing the song in your head. I know. I was All trying. Right. After that question, you guys are both tied at six. Okay. All right. Jen, or who do we leave off on there? Brandon just uh, got it wrong. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Jen, how many points does a snowflake have? They're all different. Oh, there's an actual number? There is a number, and I looked it up. Oh, I'll a say ten? Eight? Six. Six, Eight, six? Jen. Sucks. Jen, I'm going to say I can't give you credit for that. <gasps> all right, Brandon. Mm-hmm. Who stole Christmas? The Grinch. It is the Grinch. <laughs> Jen. Okay. <laughs> what color are the berries on mistletoe? Red. No, they're white. Frick. Can't give a credit. Brandon. <laughs> Do they have mold? Algae. <laughs> What's wrong? They're just Nobody white. Nobody spray painted them? What Bono. happened? Brandon. Yeah. In what town was Jesus born? Um, don't know. I don't know. Jen, for the steal, what town was baby Jesus born? It is Bethlehem. <laughs> Eat the ham. <laughs> oh. All right. Brandon. Okay. Santa Claus is also known as Saint Nick. Saint Nicholas. It is Nicholas. <laughs> I was hoping you'd give me the whole thing. <laughs> uh. There we go. <laughs> All right. All right, Jen. What fruit? Do you need to make 
Christingle. One word, Christingle. What fruit do you need to make Christingle? I'm going to say berries. It's oranges, Jen. I've never heard of Christingle. That's a very large berry. <laughs> You're a very large. Berry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to Brandon. What is traditionally hidden in Christmas pudding? Ooh. Middle finger. The, what are you looking for in the pudding when you're eating it? What's usually hidden in there? Ginger? Close. A coin. <laughs> There's a coin in the Christmas that pudding. So stupid. <laughs> <laughs> a figgy? Oh, a figgy pudding? I didn't, I All didn't right, know we, what. Two more each. Okay. Jen, what does the word advent mean? In advent calendar. calendar. What is advent calendar? 12 days. No, you Small surprise. Nope. <laughs> little gift. Coming. Small release. It means advent means coming. It's like a coming calendar. Yes, yeah, slow release. That's what I said. It's eventually. Right. As it is. <laughs> I get a half point. I get a. I'm not giving a half point. <laughs> All right, Brandon. In You're very turd. How does Buddy answer the phone? Oh man. Uh. Oh, uh, I don't know. I know it, but I don't know. I forgot. Buddy the Elf. What's your favorite color? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I was hoping it would have asked is how did Buddy get from the North Pole to New York? Oh. Hi, buddy. <laughs> Remember that trip? Yeah. Where he shows up and... Yep. Yep. All right. Jen, yeah. when are the 12 days of Christmas traditionally celebrated? This one has multiple choice. 12 days. When are they traditionally celebrated? Mm -hmm. A, December 14th to the, to the 25th. No. B, December 13th to the 24th. C, December 25th to January 5th or D December 20th to the 31st. When are the 12 days of Christmas traditionally celebrated? I don't think this is right, but I'm going to go 20th to the 31st. I really that, think it's what? That is not right. Was it the mm. second one? It was the third one, Jen, December 25th oh. to January 5th. Oh, really? Mm. Not even on my radar. I cannot <laughs> give you credit though. Because it's wrong. All right, Brandon. I'm still a winner. Multiple choice for you. In what right. year was the Christmas card invented? Mm. 1843, 1852, or 1901? I'm going to go with, ooh, uh, B. I'm going to go with 1850, what is it, 1851? 1852 is B. Is that what you're going with? Yeah. And you're wrong. 1843, uh. it's A. Uh. Uh. Sorry, so sorry. Jen, last one for you. Name the Christmas-themed ballet that premiered in Russia in 1892. The Nutcracker. Jen, it is the Nutcracker. <laughs> that brings us to eight to eight. Oh! Yep. Lucky for you, I have a tiebreaker question. All okay. right. There's no multiple choice. I'm going to ask each of you this, and I'm whoever is the closest... What date is Epiphany? 
What date is Epiphany? Whoever can give me the date that's closest to it. It's a day and a month. It's not a year. It's just a day and a month. I'll say 8-8. Eight, 8-8. Eight. Eight, eight. Brandon, what are you saying? I'm going with 10-12. The correct answer is January 6th. Oh. The day after the 12 days of Christmas. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. I was thinking of infinity signs. Oh. No, I, was I'm, I was lost on that. All right. Well, Brandon can have it. He can have Brandon it. Brandon won. I'll give it to Bob. him. Yeah. Brandon won for Bob. Bob. <laughs> All right. Congratulations, Brandon and Bob in Missouri. Yeah. Nice. You guys want yeah. to move on to our movie portion of the episode, Christmas Classic Movies. Yeah. Yep. I yes. ask each you guys to write down your top five or so, five or more, I said, Christmas movies. I said more because my list could have went on for a long time. <laughs> yeah. so, did you guys make your list of top Christmas movies? Yes. All right, Brandon, you're a guest. Let's start with your list. Okay. Um, you want to start with how many you have on your list? I have six. Okay. So you want to start with number six, and we'll work our work your way down to your number one. All right. Uh, number six is uh, Silent Night. Oh. So it is a horror movie about Scary. a Santa that believes he's doing good. But he is not. Is that the one that takes? Is that a mall Santa that ends up going like berserk? Yeah. Is he? He, he ends, he, is, he's hallucinating, or he, he's drunk, or on drugs. Yeah, he's or something? basically. He thinks he's. I think he's high off crystal meth. I could be <laughs> wrong on this. And it, he basically thinks that he's in Santa's workshop, and he thinks he's really Santa. It was a movie that really stuck with me because I watched it around Christmas and I was totally just expecting like this high action uh, Santa Claus movie and I ended up watching a horror movie. <laughs> so that's the that's the sixth one. All right. What you got for number five? All right. I know, uh, number five would be a very Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas. Nice. I love Harold and Kumar. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that Christmas special though. Uh, I had the the fortunate ability to go and watch that with Papa in theaters. <laughs> so I got to go and watch I got to go watch that with Papa. And um, he thought it was hilarious. That's I don't funny. know what I Was he very yeah, excited? He, I don't know what it is, but he he really likes oh, really? stupid That's movies good. like that. Like he does, us. he laughs at a lot of stoner comedy movies. He thinks it's really funny. Yeah, like yeah. Cheech and Chong and stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But nice. he actually, I think he was the one that actually yeah. asked me to go see that because he said it would be funny. It was a really good movie overall. Nice, nice. nice. Yeah, Harold and Kumar. What was it? Harold and Kumar's 3D Christmas. All right, nice. All right, what you got for number four? All right, this one would be Home Alone 2. And that, and mostly because this one, I liked Home Alone 2 more than one, only because I liked the whole aesthetic of New York having Christmas. I was going to say, I isn't just, that one he's lost in New York? Yeah, I yeah. really always liked the idea of New York, uh, New York Christmas. I just think it's really cool seeing all the snow on the buildings and stuff. I really like that. The whole background 
all that. That was a really good movie for me. I do like the Home Alone movies. Home Alone 1, Home Alone 2. You know, it's funny. Is, oh, this past weekend, Andrea got us tickets to go see a Christmas concert. Um, mm-hmm. Like a, an orchestra playing Christmas classics. And mm-hmm. what's funny is they came out for the encore. And they did three songs that John Williams wrote for the first Home Alone. Mm. Mm. That's funny. I did have Home Alone on my list. What number is it on your list, Jen? Three. Oh, yeah. Mm. All right. Brandon, what you got after that? Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, what number is that? Three on your list? Yeah. Yeah, Nightmare Before Christmas is a great Halloween and Christmas movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that one. Tim Burton? Heck yeah. Of All course. Right. What else you got? The second one would be the Grinch. The, that's that's probably the, my second all-time favorite Christmas. Jim Carrey or the animated one? The Jim Carrey one. Okay. I grew up on that one more for sure. Yeah, Jen and I mostly grew up on the, the animated one, obviously. But I will say, when they made the Jim Carrey one, I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, I like that yeah. they go way into the backstory of the Grinch as a kid and his history with, you know what I mean? Yeah, the mayor, right. his history yeah. with the mayor and the mayor's wife and yeah. all of that. Yeah. All right, what you got for your number one movie, Brandon? All right, number one. Here we go. All right, this one is Jingle All the Way with Ar- Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good movie. That, it just I always because I grew up with you know ron or papa as i call him uh, watching him just in all these action movies and i just remember that was my first non-action movie with him in it and i just thought it was the goofiest thing seeing this really big overbuilt guy usually in conan and predator yeah commando and just terminator and then yeah you see him in jingle you know what it was for me kindergarten cop yeah. When oh, he was yeah. in Kindergarten Cop when I I was still a I don't know about a kid, but I was probably twelve or so when yeah. they came out. And I remember being like, "What?" <laughs> and then when he was in Twins with Danny DeVito. Yeah. But Jingle, oh, yeah. All, Jingle All the Way is a good movie. Is that the one where he's trying to get the, the specific toy, right? The the action figure yeah. for his son. Yeah. His and then he, yep. he has a rivalry with the mailman <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Oh. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Number, that is your that's your number one. Good list. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah. So, all right, Jen, what you got for your list? Uh well, I have four. Okay. M- number four, Step Brothers. Because that's always a given. <laughs> <laughs> Does that even take place at Christmas? <laughs> that's why I was like, does it have to do at Christmas or we just watch it? It doesn't matter. That's we talked about that. That's one of those movies that no matter when it's on. It's we're watching it. That's funny you say that. That is one of those movies. If if yeah. I walk into a room and that yeah. is on, uh, that yep. No That's matter exactly what part where we it's pick at, up I don't at. care if yep. it's at the beginning or the end. Oh yeah. my god! All right. So three was Home Alone. The first Number one or the second? Oh, uh, really? Any of them? I thought all of them were really good. I like all of them. Yeah. Did you but, watch uh, three, four, and five? No, just the ones with Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. I. I made it past the second one and watched the third one. And I liked that one, but it wasn't Kevin by that point. Yeah. And and then I tried to watch the fourth and the fifth one. And I was like, all right, we're too far. It's uh, Yeah, <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. Yep. So number two, I have Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Oh, classic. <laughs> right classic. in the fields. 
I have uh, that on my list as well. Do you? That's yes. so funny. So if, if as a family, if you have not seen that, it's a great family flick. It's um, Marionette. <laughs> yeah, puppets. they're like Marionette Jim Henson Muppets. Oh, yeah. 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 And it's a good story. Kermit the Frog does a cameo in it. He narrates it real quick in the beginning. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But it is all Jim Henson Muppets. But it is. We saw that when we were little. little. I want to say it came out in 67 or 76. Oh, my God. Really? One of them. Yeah. And uh, we've talked about it on the podcast before. And even yeah. as kids, when we watched that, the way that they move where they their feet like the way they walk yeah. on the screen their legs because they're marionettes they right they don't really touch the ground and go with the pace yeah it's hilarious though yep. it's such a good story though the storyline so and the songs so good i think so, so we have the dvd and there's like outtakes at yes. the end of it and it is amazing they're hilarious hilarious <laughs> yeah nice uh and then my number one is elf elf Nice. I liked. I love Elf. That's one of those movies again around Christmas, kind of like a Christmas story. Yeah. Anytime it's on, I get sucked into it. I gotta yeah. watch. Yeah. Yeah. It's um. It's funny too. So there's one part I have to close my eyes every single time, um, because I cannot stomach it, and it's when he's chewing the gum. I cannot handle that. Oh, in New York when he's pulling yeah. it off the pole and eating it. Yeah. Chewed yeah. gum grosses me out. <laughs> anyway, chewed gum and wet paper makes me gag. Like I cannot, oh, yeah. and oh, that's disgusting to me. And every time I'm always like, oh, no. <laughs> nice. But yeah, that's my list. All right, I'll do mine. I wrote down my top ten because I wasn't. I had so many. Yeah. So many, and some of mine yeah. I have two yeah. in that spot because I couldn't decide and I wasn't moving anything. I don't know right. what happened there. But for number ten, uh, I do have Frosty, Rudolph, and Charlie Brown's Christmas. Oh, the three of those, the classic ones that yeah. we watched growing up that we would yeah. see. Maybe you'd have to catch it at the right time and channel, uh, but we'd watch them every year. We call those, it a special, like yep, oh, there's a special holiday special on. Oh, which one is it? It's yeah. Rudolph. Yes. So Rudolph, Frosty and Charlie Brown Christmas. I got for my number 10, number nine, Bad Santa, <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton, Bad Santa, where he's the mall oh, yeah. Santa. Yeah. Just yeah. an asshole. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's just so good though. He's just always drinking and smoking. He's just, yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, number eight, Nightmare Before Christmas. Yep. Yep. That's great. Number seven, uh, White Christmas. Bing Crosby. Oh, okay. Like Burl traditional. Ives. It's a tradition. It's a movie from the fifties. It's really yeah. good though. So many good song numbers in it. Dance yeah. numbers in it. Uh, just an all-around good movie. Obviously, it culminates with the song for a live song, White Christmas. Yeah. Uh, really good. Number six. Now this is it's this one came out around the same time Frosty and Rudolph did, and it's done in the same kind of stop motion. It's called Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Oh yeah. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. but tells, it was like Play-Doh. Kinda. Yeah, it's like stop. Yeah, it's Play-Doh. Play yeah. stop motion. Same thing Rudolph was yeah. and Frosty. Like they, you know what I mean? Back in the same era. Mm -hmm. uh, it tells the story of Santa Claus, how he became Kris Kringle. Uh, you know what I mean? Things like that. Why they. He brings toys and puts them in the stockings because there was Burger Meister Meister Burger, the mayor who was like <laughs> outlawed toys in the town for the kids. Right. Oh, such a good movie. Uh, that's one. I love that one every year. Uh, number five, I have any adaptation of A Christmas Carol. I okay. like the story Ebenezer yeah. Scrooge, The Three Ghosts, Past, Present, and Future. You know what I mean? Yeah. Any iteration of that, of A Christmas Carol, whether yeah. it's the Disney or a movie version, 
Um, last year we sat down, we watched one from 1930. Well, it was one. It was like an wow. old 1930 black and white Christmas Carol, and in that one, like Ebenezer Scrooge, when they go to his grave, they when they push him into the grave, he actually falls into hell. Oh, and all these demons and just it wow. gets real dark. And yeah. that was like 1930s. Uh, like, yeah, any adaptation of A Christmas Carol. I just like that story. Tiny yeah. Tim, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, plus, I like all the lingo. I got 15 shillings in my pocket, mister. Like, I just yeah. like, I love the lingo. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number four, Die Hard. We watch that every year. Usually a yeah. week before Christmas, we watch Die Hard. Andrea's favorite movie, Christmas movie. Uh, number three, Scrooge, Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the Christmas Carol story, but it's Bill Murray. He's like a yeah. like a pompous uh, TV exec. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean. And he ruins everybody's Christmas by making everybody come in and basically do a Christmas Carol like live yeah. on TV. And he's like an a hole about it, and he gets Scrooged over pretty much. Uh, Scrooge number two, Gremlins. We've watched that every Christmas since Griff was a kid because that's always yeah. his favorite Christmas movie. He makes us watch that like Andrea makes us watch Die Hard. We all sit down and watch that. <laughs> and number one is the one I make everybody sit down every year and watch. And it's actually, a, I have two for my number one because I could not decide. I feel like my golden pick, Emma Dotter, Jug Band Christmas. <laughs> that's the one I make every all of us sit down yeah. and watch it. And then I'll watch it again two or three times by myself just because yeah. we have the DVD with it's all the bonus features. It's so story. good. As soon as we talked about making a Christmas list of our favorite movies, I knew yeah. that was going to be number one. Yeah. Uh, it does share a spot in my Christmas list and in my heart with The Ref. You ever seen <laughs> The Ref? Dennis Leary, Kevin Spacey, Judy Gold. You I know think, what I'm talking about? No, no. You, we watch that with Jay and Becca every year. Jay, Andrea, and I since... For the past 20 years we've watched it and we've incorporated becca into it the ref dennis leary yeah he's a he's a home burglar who's breaking into like rich people's <laughs> houses and he he breaks in and he actually kidnaps or holds hostage kevin spacey and his wife oh and it's like a huge it's a whole dysfunctional family shows yeah. up at christmas oh my god and he's hiding out because the cops are looking for the person breaking into the houses Okay. And so he basically takes them hostage and hides out in this house. But then the whole family shows up for Christmas. Oh, hey. They play it off like he's a marriage counselor. Yeah. And so he's there to like, you know what I mean? And the yeah. whole time he has like a gun in his pocket. So he's going to shoot Kevin Spacey if anything <laughs> jumps off. But and again, much like family showing up, there's just dysfunctional. Yeah. It's just <laughs> it's hilarious. The ref. I recommend okay. watching it anytime you can. Awesome. So good times. Anything else? Anybody got any other honorable mentions or anything that they didn't uh, put on their list, but they enjoy watching? Uh, Ernest saves Christmas. <laughs> Ernest saves Christmas. I like Christmas themed movies in general. I was going to say probably any of the like national lampoons. I, See, mean... I, I wanted to put national lampoons on my list. Yeah. I wanted to put Christmas story on my list. Yeah. But those yeah. I watch every year because generally it's on somewhere that I'm at. Those right. are, those get shown a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, anybody have anything else they want to add about Christmas? No, I'm good. Merry nope. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Hopefully, Ron will be back for our next episode. Brandon, thanks for yeah. joining us again. Yeah, thanks. Of course. Singer of Crop Circles, the band. 
Yeah. Look for them wherever your social media takes you. <laughs> All right. With that being said, on behalf of Ron motherfucking Jones, who couldn't yeah. be here, and yeah. myself, I'd like to say Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Uh, looking Merry forward Christmas. to 2023. Yes. 2023. And stay tuned for a possible new format. We will be having a new format to the show in 2023. And I will do want to put on here to our listeners and our members. If you would like to participate in next year's format, we will have a guest spot on every episode that can be filled by a listener. Yes. So if you're interested in becoming a mystery guest on next year's episodes, and it's going to be similar to Jeff and Iran, it's just going to be a slight difference. It'd be basically if you were a guest on this episode. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like that. So if you're interested in it, write to us at feelthegenergy at gmail.com and put Jeff and Iran in the subject line and let us know that you're interested in being a guest or you know somebody who is interested in being a guest. Yes. So, all right, awesome. Brandon, thanks for thanks for filling in for Papa. Jen, yeah. thanks for joining us per usual. Yeah, good times. Good times and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You know what I like?